we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We're doing a movie event review pod of Annabelle Comes Home. Now listen, <laughs> we've promised you some things, and we're going to deliver on those promises. We promised you we're changing the format of the movie event pods that we do, and we are in the process of doing that. Now, we have not completed that process. Mike mm-hmm. and I are still batting around ideas. We're still testing some things. We're throwing things back and forth. So we know we said this would be a new format for movie event pods, Starting with this movie, Annabelle Comes Home, that's not going to be the case. We're going to change up some things slightly, somewhat, trying a different, uh, trying a few different things here and there. But this is, by and large, going to be the same format that you're used to for movie event pods. But sometime in the very near future, yep. hopefully after this pod, we'll have a a uh, production meeting and we'll f- iron it all out there. But at some point in the very near future, we will be fulfilling that promise of having a whole new layout and a whole new format for movie event pods for movies that aren't Oscar contenders, such as. Annabelle comes home. So we appreciate your patience. We appreciate you grinning and bearing it. And at least we have a fun. <laughs> well, I guess we're saying we appreciate you letting us lie to you is what I really mean. We're absentee fathers sometimes. <laughs> you know, we promise the kid from the broken home. Right. You're the kid from the broken home in this situation. <laughs> this is how we. We're revealing way too much about how we think about our listeners. <laughs> we we promise you things at times, that, and we don't deliver. We've done right. this with the website. That's the our our most egregious. We should just say that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, that's our most egregious promise yeah. thus far that we can't figure out a website at this point. But we do deliver four pods a week. Yeah. We did make the decision. That game time decision the audible here to get annabelle comes home out for you now because it's hot it's of the moment we got piping hot takes for it we got a lot to say and at least i mean this is going to preview what you're going to hear in this episode but at least unlike the nun yeah we have a decent horror movie to talk about. Oh, we here. do. So we're going to at least shine the light on it and hopefully hype up for reasons why you should go see this. And if you have seen it, we'll touch on some things that we thought were unique and you, you thought were special as well. So that's let's get right into it. This is a movie event review pod for Annabelle Comes Home. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. Also Mike. And because it's such an old fogey format, we're just going to go right into it. Mike doesn't have to do his old spiel. No. Nah, but go we for got it. non-spoiler and spoiler reviews. This is the non-spoiler part. I'm going to basically let you know what you need to know and start that process off with the cast and crew. Crew-wise, we have writer-director Gary Doberman. He is the writer of the Stephen King It remakes, chapters 1 and 2. He's also been the screenwriter for the Conjuring Universe films Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, and The Nun. This is Doberman taking the director's chair for the first time. I would love to know how that came about. Because obviously he's a trusted writer. He's been in a lot of properties. Things yeah. have worked. We think there was an issue with The Nun. Clearly the box office suggested otherwise, as we were talking about before. So I wonder why the decision was made to give... Is it a, a thing of trust? Is it a course correction to get The Conjuring Universe back on the right track because they were upset with The Nun? Were they not upset with The Nun because the box office was fine? So Annabelle 1 was a stinker. It was amazing that he got the job to write Annabelle yeah. 2, even though, it may, again, it made money. Mm-hmm. The Nun was kind of a stinker critically as well. Will he write The Nun 2, The Nunny, the Nunner? I don't know. <laughs> Mike, Gary Doberman has really knocked some of these out of the park, though. I yeah, mean, he's the been con- great. The Conjuring Universe films, he worked hand-in-hand with James Wan on those. Knocked the two Conjuring films, I should say, out of the park. And then It. Obviously, he's been the screenwriter for the It movies. Certainly a go-to in horror. Crushing right? those. So, to me, he's, like, earned this opportunity. 
if you no give question. them those two mulligans. Yeah, no question. And that, that that's where I guess I land. We also got James Wan in here. He gets a story by credit. He's a producer. We all know that he's got the magic touch with this franchise. Jalen Rose says, keep getting those checks. I mean, he innovated the horror genre with Saw. He was the writer-director of that one. Uh, He was the director and co-writer of The Conjuring, the two films there, the Insidious films. He's been the steward of this Warren Cinematic Universe for a while now, creating one of the first horror cinematic universes to box office like we've never seen before. You know what I'd love since James Wan has done all this and proven to be a, a fine starter of franchises and whatnot? I would love some studio to give him a giant budget. Look, if we're going to go uber dark with the Joker, Todd Phillips' Joker, yeah. with, with Joaquin Phoenix, let's give James Wan $150 million to do the new Batman with Robert Pattinson. Just have it be dark twist. Have him use the Scarecrow as the bad guy because that's uh-huh. the most mentally twisted and effed up bad guy in sure. Batman. And just have him do that and see what happens all the guy does is succeed they gave him aquaman instead which is not at all a horror movie property property. yeah but then he kind of knocked that one out of the park too did well financially yeah he's he's had the magic touch for sure annabelle comes home stars vera farmiga and patrick wilson they are the warrens ed and lorraine from the two previous conjuring films they've had cameos in the uh, the previous Annabelle films, or at least one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got I, Tanya's McKenna Grace. Uh, she plays the Warren's daughter, Judy. Going to have a lot to say about her. Mm-hmm. We have Judy's babysitter, Mary Elland, uh, the blonde, played by Mad- Madison Iceman, uh, getting her big break here after some smaller roles in Jumanji, Goosebumps 2. So she's been in some bigger projects, but this is, you know, she's essentially starring in this one for much she of the movie. She can scream well. Yes, she does. Uh, Mary Ellen's mischievous friend, who's also curious about the Warren's secret room of ghosts and haunted things and Annabelle's, is Daniela Rios, character name in the movie, and she is played by Katie Sarife uh, from the miniseries Youth and Consequences, a couple other things. I'm up and down on her, but uh, I thought... There's a nice mixture of characters between those three. And there there's a feministic message here. They're not just falling over themselves, nah. scream queens. So I, I, I like some of it. We'll get into it. Uh, finally, we have the goofy boy toy love interest with a really stupid nickname. Love interest for Mary Ellen, that is. It's Bob Palmieri, played by Michael Cimino. Uh, from the Training Day CBS series. Mike, have you ever seen the Training Day CBS series? Of course not. Of course not is the correct answer. <laughs> Mike, you have some specs. We're going to forego some production nuggets today to just get into it. Yeah, so Annabelle comes home, directed by Gary Dobman. He gets the writing credit, too, along with James Wan's story. By credit, this film debuted uh, technically today when we are recording this, June 26, 2019. Preview recordings were on a Tuesday yesterday. We're so awesome that we're timely like this. 106-minute <laughs> runtime and an R rating. The, the distribution being done by Warner Brothers, produced by, of course, Atomic Monster, which is James Wan's company, and New Line Cinemas, which is under the Warner Brothers umbrella. The film is projected to do 30 to $35 million over its five-day opening stretch. It kicked off those projections with a $3.5 million rake during Tuesday preview showings, which Deadline reports was better than the preview showing box offices for either Conjuring movie, but fell short of either Annabelle or The Nun's preview showing marks. But then again, each of those films' preview night was on a Thursday, not a Tuesday, like this film had so my theater was packed how about yours i had six people 
Ah. I was very, but I saw the 5 p.m. showing, so people were, you know, real people with real lives and responsibilities. Shouldn't have been there on a Tuesday, <laughs> which I understood. But yeah, it was like me and five other people. All right. Uh, also of note is that the 30 to $35 million projected number for the opening weekend would account for the lowest opening in the Conjuring Universe canonical films. In other words, not including the Yagarona, La Llorona, however you pronounce it, Ona yeah. movie that came out in April. Yeah, Annabelle Creation did just barely over $35 million itself. It currently has the low mark for openings amongst the Conjuring Universe films. But for a $27 million budget, I don't think anyone at WB will be upset. Only 10 films since the beginning of the 2016 film year have opened at $30 million and failed to do at least $100 million or more domestically. That's profit. Yeah, that's that's at probably going to be in the black. And that's just domestically. Yeah, it also doesn't include like dark phoenix this year or men in black this year which yeah. probably won't hit those numbers but overall you do 30 million you're probably going to do nine figures total then again they've been like making 10 times their budget on on some of these films so this mm. is a step back do we think that's sequelitis another case of it here it's we've been talking about narrative it. yeah i mean we'll get into the box office update on the next mmow maybe way on way in on this for the last time but for now yeah, I'm chalking it up to a little bit of a sequelitis here. Yeah, probably. It's not going to help that narrative, like I said. You don't have to go very far to see all these articles and think pieces about how 2019 is sequeled out. Blame yourself, movie industry. It's all you're greenlighting anymore at these big <laughs> studios, so I yeah. don't know what to tell you. We've just talked about in this past week's MMOW how the smaller film, the indies, not-so-indies, even those $20, $30 million mid-budget, small-budget movies, are the ones actually making money. Horror's making money, so this one probably isn't going to fit that narrative too well, but like the Men in Blacks that it follows and that the uh, the X-Men, like I just talked about, that it follows, it's going to make the case for sequelitis. Still, profit is profit, yep. so at least they're, they're making bank on this one. Hopefully it tips the scales on some things where they didn't make profit, but I don't know how they presume these things to do because if they expect Annabelle Comes Home... To, to basically give you a ratio of five to one, and therefore, you know, all the other movies that you lost money on, this one makes up for it and breaks you even at the end of the day. I don't know if they're expecting that, and that, that's something that we don't always talk about. It's true. They factor in. Still, I would think the domestic alone is going to put this one in the black because if you finish around a hundred million on a twenty-seven million dollar budget, that's almost four to one just domestically. Never mind what you do internationally if this one goes overseas. Yeah, I would think this is going to end up healthily in the black, regardless. Right. Let's get into it then. Uh, plot premise reads. While babysitting the daughter of Ed and Lorraine Warren, a teenager and her friend unknowingly, that's I hate that word there, <laughs> unknowingly awaken an evil spirit trapped in a doll. Unknowingly, huh? Unknowingly. I think they knowingly did it. <laughs> I, somebody knew. Somebody knew here, but we're going to get into it. Let's talk about expectations uh, for a hot second here, Mike. I did not expect as good of a movie as we got here because... Basically, the reviews weren't coming out, and I was freaking the heck out that we were going to get bad reviews. Big problem with The Nun, which we covered last September. There were no reviews, no reviews. We kept saying, this smells like something's going on, and turns out we were right on the money because there were no reviews because the studio was hiding it from being shilled at the reviews and the critics' set scores. Yeah, so I was really excited when you texted me last night because yeah. you saw it a couple hours before me. Uh, that it was a strong horror movie, and I was like, all right, good, we got something. I 60, was very happy. 64%, it's almost middling now, and I talked about a movie that had a similar 
rating that I, I like the chance to review movies like this once in a while because there's real no, really no consensus and we can kind of just make up our own gosh darn mind and my mind's made up that I think this is a strong movie like you think and uh, I was I was hyped up by the Big Picture podcast from Sean Fennessy and The Ringer. They interviewed Gary Doberman. So there was that weighing on my expectations as well but if you talk to me late Last week, I was like, no way we're going to end up doing this. But as of yesterday, I was uh, I was starting to get fired up. Yeah, and the scores are all over the place, too. I don't know that they're you're saying there's not a consensus. It's probably right on the money. It's like a 64-74 split on Rotten Tomatoes right now, which is very early. Mm-hmm. It's an early 7.0, but an early 51 meta score, meta rating. I th- yep. think it went up to a 52 overnight. So, yeah, it's, it's turning out to be one of those typical horror films where it seems like the snobby critics, the people with their noses in the air, like, this lacks substance. This has too many plot holes, which... Yeah, no shit. It's a horror movie. It does. <laughs> but For sure. fans, it's, it has a lot of fan service, and fans seem to appreciate it. And I, what more do you want out of a summer horror movie than just to be creeped out for 90, 100 minutes and go home scared of the shadows? Mike, I drove home. <laughs> you told me this. In the shadows, but I also drove home in fog. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. Look, I was laughing so hard when I went into some really dense fog getting close to my house. And it literally, uncontrollably laughing, driving home, because I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why you didn't break down outside of a cemetery, man? <laughs> I thought my car was just going to go dead any second uh, when I was going to pass the cemetery on my way home. Would have been a hell of a way to go, let's be honest. <laughs> Good God, I would have died of a heart attack. Literally. <laughs> the, de- that been, the demons would have been so upset. Like, we didn't even get to do anything. <laughs> they absolutely would have been. I would have died of a heart attack just you know, projecting what would have happened. <laughs> Let's get into production values, yeah. though. Sight to sound. First of all, yeah, the fog was a nice touch. It's hard to screw up fog on, on 2019 cinema, right? <laughs> yeah, but it, I even like the glaze of the interiors because yeah. it looked like that was foggy too because the doors are opening and closing. So you can, you know, it made sense that you got some fog in there. It was almost like Mandy-like with okay. some of the hazes and the hues. I, I really enjoyed that. But the biggest thing for me, Mike, was the lighting. I loved the lighting of this movie. Doberman talked about it in that interview. He said he wanted to go as dark as he possibly could without going all dark or too dark. I mean, he didn't want to do a Battle of the Winterfell thing here. Yeah. You know, and frustrate <laughs> the audience. He didn't say that. I'm saying that. But uh, definitely he went as dim as he could with still giving us something and sure. he played that up so well because you had the reveals of certain things you know, hiding in the, the background a thousand percent without question I mean, exactly. it was just it was there was just dread for a hundred minutes there was just a feeling of dread and it's because you don't really you don't really get a chance to catch your breath once the scares start which is a little ironic because the first half of this movie takes place in the daytime sure nothing really yeah gets you creeped out you're not allowed to be scared of the dark in the first half of the movie he does some things in broad daylight though oh, yeah. some, giving oh, yeah. us some creepy Im- Without images question. too so i also thought as far as sight goes my god did that look like a tacky 60s 70s interior for a home yeah with the uh, the brady bunch staircase with the open stairs the wood paneling leading to some Awful looking carpets. Look at I really want some Monroe, Connecticut Easter eggs. Yeah. We're not getting enough of those. No, like I we're want not. some landmarks. I know they shot this in Los Angeles. And I resent, by the way, the fact that at the end of the movie we hear the Hartford radio station. No, that would be a New Haven radio station that's on that's in Monroe. Point. That's a great point. We we do get New Haven yeah. instead. I mean, I'm five minutes from where the Warrens mm-hmm. grew up and where they lived their their whole lives. So I would have liked you know, take a trip to Beardsley Farm. Take a trip. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm right on that road. Maybe there. come knock on my front door. Like childhood homes, right up there. Uh, so yeah, let's let's get some pumpkins going on. It's a it's a haven for pumpkins and Christmas trees. Or at least in refer our to like the New Haven pizza once. Not have some yeah. stoner pizza kid delivering. Uh, that looked like terrible pizza. Yeah, that that was, looked like yeah. L.A. I, I was gonna say Elio's. <laughs> It did, did. Yeah. didn't it look terrible? Little, little freeze I was stuff. so upset when they opened that pizza up. Yeah, didn't look good. Didn't look good. <laughs> Mike, in terms of the cinematography, VFX. Uh, Loved it. My yeah. God, this was one of the highlights for me. He has so many shots where he has a, a character walking towards the camera, stopping at a close-up, and then we're looking past them over their shoulder as creepy shit goes on behind them. Yes. He does that like twice in this movie. I loved it both times. It's claustrophobic. I love the, you know, the picture in picture. They do something mm-hmm. with that at one point later in the film we'll talk about. There's also the ability, Mike, to do it enough that we are freaking out, but not to do it too much. Like some some movies, especially horror movies, they live in that over-the-shoulder POV, yeah. and it drives me crazy because it's just not realistic. This movie does give you the master shot often enough to ground you in what's going on you know, and give you the spectacle of it. It does. It does. But I actually had an issue with that because oftentimes in this movie, we'll be looking at the master shot, or it's a bit of a tracking shot, I guess, staring at the character as the character's walking their way through the set. Yeah. And the scary shit is going on behind them. Like a demon will pop up behind them or some ghost or figmentation. Or he's just been there all along. Like, they'll, they'll just show up. And to me, it's like, what are you doing, demon? The <laughs> character, you're, you're only scaring us. And the character you're supposed to be scaring has no idea you're there. It's back. Her back is to you the entire time. So, so that's really poor demoning. <laughs> I have poor demoning as one of my major oh, issues good. of this All movie. Right. And it was the same thing in The Nun. Like, The yeah. Nun pissed me off so much because The Nun could have been the nunnest. <laughs> and she could have won the day so easily. And just so many missed opportunities. It's the same way with these demons. All that being said, it's still a lot of fun. Yes. And the visuals Agreed. are... Really spectacular. They, I mean, there's especially some, for a, a twenty-seven million dollar budget horror movie. Yeah, yeah. There's some paintings, beautiful paintings mm-hmm. of, of horror movie goods there with the visuals. And now sound, I I was kind of deaf to a lot of the sound here, Mike. You like some of the soundtrack? I remember fine. <laughs> you know why I love that song in particular? By Badfinger, I'm told. <laughs> He's laughing now it because by Badfinger. He was trying to come up with it, and then yeah. the there was a commercial from ESPN yeah. back in 2008 that had all the Celtics fans on their radios I'm listening, my eyes listening right to the trade of acquiring Kevin Garnett and that song played over this was like in 2010 2011 after we won the title already yeah. that song played over the commercial all the fans were like looking hopeful and like all excited as they acquired KG <laughs> so, so once, that song has a special place in my heart once you heard that song you're like I'm in for this movie totally wow <laughs> movie could do no wrong you are easy to please if they somehow go into your brain and unlock the fact that your favorite sports team was going to sign a player that would you yes know, yeah yes. years ago in a commercial more seriously for the movie though uh the soundtrack the last conjuring movie we had was the nun soundtrack where it was just yes. for 90 minutes <laughs> which was freaking scary it did its part but and i guess you had to get away with it because there was some aspect of that that was cave-like so the echo made sense but this took place in a house in suburbia yeah. supposedly in monroe connecticut so the soundtrack wasn't anything I was really impressed with. I was more impressed with the effects they made, the sound effects, than I was the soundtrack. I wanted more distorted pop songs, 
I mean, they did it once or twice where they just made it a little yeah. off. I think they did that a lot more in the trailer. Was it this trailer I was thinking of that really worked on me, or am I thinking of a Child's Play trailer? I don't know, I don't know either, but when they do that in trailers and the song is effed up, or yeah. just a, it, it seems like Slows it gets... Slows down and distorted. It's like underwater. Mm-hmm. I love when that happens. They didn't really go for that here. That was just a trailer thing. But I do think the sound effects were excellent. Like, I noticed some of those... And uh, there's a lot. Whenever you, anything goes bump in the night, when I'm being thoroughly creeped out, like you said, in a creep yeah. fest and a, a creep fest in a nonstop dread situation, those just work on me. The so, fucking so sound easily. of the coin bouncing and then roll. First of all, whoever, whatever intern on the set was in charge of dropping those coins, mm-hmm. so they rolled perfectly to the actor. If those were practical coins and not video affected afterwards, added afterwards, that man deserves a raise and a full time gig. If I drop change in the street, right? <laughs> now i'm just gonna run away from it absolutely just run away from it i'm gonna look like an insane i mean person. how do you get the coins rolling right to the actor's feet every time from a distance that was amazing excellent if those were real coins if they're video effects they're great effects because i couldn't tell the difference i think somebody is really good at tiddlywinks on the crew there can you imagine if they have one old gaffer and his name is Gaffer Bill. Gaffer Bill is just fucking flicking coins perfectly. That would be amazing, yes. It's his moment. It's his moment. So that, those are the production values. You got anything else on it, Mike, before we move on? No, ready to move on. So performances, these Warrens, Vera Farmiga and... Uh, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson, thank you. I was going to just pause until you can't you get it to me. <laughs> Patrick with a CK. That's true. Yeah. The Warrens are hamming it up so over the top in this basically prologue to the movie. I don't hate it because it's kind of fun. It's definitely a situation where the trailer kind of let out all those moments and they sold this movie based on them more than they did about the girls. But at the same time, I kind of give them credit because they've already won me over before these characters. But they're almost slapstick. You think so? Yeah. When What's-his-name's talking to the cops, Patrick Wilson? Driving me crazy, or something. Are you kidding me? And then the mother with their, you know, wide-eyed cult follower or cult leader stare, you know, Vera Farmiga, Lauren lady, mm-hmm. Lorraine, Lorraine lady. <laughs> she I get shut up! Oh my god, I'm getting so angry with her. What, so angry. What were you angry about? Because blink. What? You know, blink <laughs> once in a while, okay. and don't just do the big, you know, theatrical thing i mean she's almost like she's on stage for an audience of non-believers well, when you, she's you gotta understand too supposedly this is a woman that's constantly surrounded by ghosts all the time yeah <laughs> i don't think i would Just blink say, much either it's affecting her acting <laughs> okay her acting like she's not acting i don't know i i didn't I, I didn't really have i was more impressed with many some performances i thought the little girl did a, did a great job mckenna grace is my yeah. highlight in this movie i thought she did the Haley jill osmond thing well yeah i thought she did the dramatic stuff well yeah Very i sure too give her credit for her poise in some of those action scenes like she made me believe what what was happening yeah. and at the same time you know, she made me believe that she was a scared little kid, but still she's the daughter of spiritual right. warriors. Yeah, that's what I was hitting on as well. She was very mature and very grown up, which I guess if you are the daughter of 
such parents you would have to grow up pretty quickly? Such parents who are such spiritual warriors <laughs> that they act like they're slapstick people, <laughs> slap-happy nonsense people in, in their real lives to just throw up a front, like yeah, I was saying. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> the babysitters now. I mean, you have the babysitter, the babysitter's friend. They're hit and miss for me. I thought Katie Sharife actually won me over by the end of the movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. I hated her in the beginning. She was a little out of her depth at the beginning. I would agree with that as well. But that's a tough character. I mean, you take to, for your first yeah. mainstream role, your first kind of starring role, headlining role, to be that the cool know-it-all girl that's not afraid of anything but has a lot of vulnerability and weakness, it's not an easy character to pull off. It's a character where... We're hiding the ball on what's going on with her. Yeah. And I don't think that... That's not a spoiler, because no. you find it out pretty quick. But bottom line is, she, there's more to her. There's She's not just an 80s slasher, annoying teenager who's like, oh, let's go into the haunted house. I right. mean, there's a reason why she's wanting to go in there, and that's that's a terrible reason, Bad by the reason. way. Bad We're going to get into that, and that's a good way to transition into script thoughts, I think. Because, yes, this is kind of a feminist statement, because this is these are not scream queens, necessarily... These are these are characters with a lot of agency, with arcs that go up and down, and that really will come for full circle for certain. And I think they're they play well off each other, the three characters. So it's a nice balance between three characters in terms of the you know the, the ensemble there as well. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. One of them to me is a little screen queen ish, little final girl. Mary Ellen, yeah, yeah. But I think also that may have been written purposefully because she's the one that kind of has to overcome the biggest fear at the end of the, in the crux of the movie anyway, mm-hmm. uh, without giving too much away there. So I'm okay with how the, how the three of them played out. I have some questions about why specifically some things happened the way they did <laughs> and Me how too. one character goes somewhere. Yeah, there are yeah. sinkholes yeah. in this plot. Uh, most of them revo- revolving around that particular character. Right. So I have issues with that specifically. Overall, you know, I I wouldn't even know that I'd call it that much of a feminist statement. I think it's just a, a pretty cool movie, a pretty cool uh, situation to have these three female leads doing what they're doing and caring. Like, I got the impression that Marie Ellen cared so much about the Judy character that that's why she acted why she did. Yes. More so than I was being hit over the head Why this is like a feminist movie, this is a female in the lead, and blah, blah, blah. Well, usually in these kind of movies, you're they're committing such annoying, egregious right. sins that's true. of every teenagerhood right. and playing stereotypes that they're pissing us off for the first right. half hour. And then in the middle part of the movie, we're like almost a little glad, sadistically glad (laughs) that they're getting haunted and terrorized. Yeah, there was no like sex story shoehorned in or stuff down the throat. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that. So that's not happening here. We're actually getting kind of rounded set up and we want to root for these characters. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree. Now, this is Annabelle Breaks the Internet, by the way. And by that, I mean Ralph Breaks the Internet as a comparison because the Conjuring Universe is shouting out all these other... Playing all the hits. Yeah, potential properties, Easter eggs for their current and former properties. There's all kinds of stuff in here. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to watch a million videos for They that. started this with the Conjuring 2 when they had yes. the Hoofman or whatever he was. <laughs> Hoofman, yes. Yeah, whatever the hell that guy's name was. And that he's going to turn into his own movie now. This is what they're doing now. They're just making properties to spin off and make millions with. There's a lot in here, and I I enjoyed most of them. There's a couple that I really hated, but a couple that I really loved. Overall, though, Mike, I think there's some really clever jump scares. 
but this is not the jump scare movie I expected. I thought it was going to be more formulaic, and we got oh, more. Yeah. We got more creep out. We got formulaic more formulaic is not how I would describe this movie. And that's yeah. credit to Gary Doberman all around. We got more atmospheric yes. stuff. We got more like uh, I said, the spectacle, and then like you said, the dread factor. Yeah, that that stayed with you without question without question you know and the conjuring overall the conjuring universe has kind of been good with this even the first annabelle there was some misdirection scares that weren't jump scares and weren't hit you over the head or shout in your face but were more like oh god no (laughs) especially one scene in particular that comes to mind without i don't want to spoil it but so i think this has kind of been a, a a trademark a hallmark or benchmark whatever kind of mark you want to talk about of this universe in general and gary dobman's been around for a lot of it so who better to, to pen the script and put it all together for this as what I think is a comeback effort and a return to normal for the Conjuring series? Because I would give this something, you know, if I was rating on IMDb, whereas I would give the Annabelle movies in particular, or the Nun, like a 5, a 4.5. Yeah. This one's like back in the 6.57 range for me. And I think that 7.0 on IMDb is pretty spot on. Maybe like, a little high, but pretty spot on. Yeah, I'm going to give this a favorable review as well. So I definitely say watch it. I think Doberman really gets the universe. And he also takes it in a little bit of a different direction while having fun with, like you said, what The Conjuring did well, introducing all these other characters. Because yeah. if this is the third in a trilogy, probably not going to get a fourth. If it's just breaking even at the end of the day, then let's get a few spinoff possibilities. Let's keep Let's keep the train moving. I think we're getting a fourth. Oh, you think so? I think so. You think that I, you, I would put my money on it. Well, I think it's possible. I just would. I wonder if the back like Annabelle leaves. <laughs> she comes home, and now she's got to go. Annabelle goes away. <laughs> Annabelle gets <laughs> out. Annabelle goes on vacation. <laughs> it's just her in the front door wearing like a big pompadour hat, <laughs> tipping it. Annabelle visits the nun. <laughs> yeah. Annabelle versus Chucky. Damn yeah. it! Let's go. Oh, that would be great. Nice. I'm down for that. Let's go. All right. So we got to dance. Yeah. Let's spoil. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. 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 Spoiler section to the movie event pod of Annabelle Comes Home, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause. Go watch that thing. Come back, and you can enjoy the spoilers with us. If you've seen the movie already, if you're just curious to hear our takes, or if we pipe them up, the spoilers up, that is, so much that you can't go another minute without hearing what we have to say. This is where you want to be. All spoilers for Annabelle Comes Home, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Mike, what do you have that's carrying over from the non-spoiler section? So I want to talk about how Annabelle is not only a conduit for other spirits, but she is the conduit for other spirits. And the fact that we recognize this in the opening prologue as a warrant. Yeah, we're told this, basically. She literally tells us after she realizes this. Number one, (laughs) the Warrens are directly responsible for that car accident and that murdered poor child. Aren't they? Are they not? How? Because coming home... 
that Annabelle doll worked its evil juju magic yeah. on the crash, right. which she caused an Annabelle creation in another crash. So th- I am not taking that as a coincidence. I don't think we should take that as a coincidence. That's Annabelle's fault. There was so little follow-up on that crash that I... I uh, sure, your guess is as good as anyone else's. I'll let you run with it. Go ahead. All right, so she is such a powerful being that merely being out of her Pope-mobile barrier... Yes, which just... <laughs> hey, where's that church glass we have that's perfectly encased big enough for this doll? So if she's not in a Pope-mobile yeah. glass, then, Mike, she is running amok. Whatever she yeah. could do, she's doing, and they put her in the back seat. Now that is a fun visual. I had a lot of fun with that visual. Visual Annabelle being in the back seat, but good God, is that stupid? And how are they that stupid? Well, what do you want them to do with her? You have to wrap her in, you know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, think about it. Wrap her in uh, what do they call the beads? Uh, Whole, rosary. The rosary beads. Wrap her in rosary beads. <laughs> right, cover her right. in I'll scripture. You know, that. put her under a stack of Bibles in the trunk. Or go in an armed car. Figure something out, Warrens. Put her in the back seat and let the cop appear in the background. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind that. But let's say they wrapped her in rosary beads and scripture. If the cop and this is how the movie starts, the, the Warrens literally take Annabelle out of her first home, which is like a fraternity house. It looks like, uh, and they take. They're like, we'll take the doll. She's very evil. Blah blah blah. They come upon this car accident, which happens in the middle of the road. A cop attending the car accident scene, walks up to them and says, basically, you know, turn around. Creepy doll back there, yeah. Notices Annabelle sitting in the, just sitting in the backseat like a child. So if that cop walks up to them, if that car accident was Annabelle's doing and she knew she was trying to put a brick in the road, basically. I mean, I say this because of Annabelle creation, right? right. But I mean, if that cop walks up to shit. them and sees a child-sized body wrapped in scripture and rosary beads in the backseat. And then a smart-alecky guy driving the car talking in code. They're probably going to get arrested. For provocation <laughs> and code. Yeah, please. <laughs> They'll probably The Warrens probably end up in jail that night. And then Annabelle's got free reign. Now, all that being said, I love the scare. I love when she picked up the mat, map and the fall scare. I really enjoy... And that's what, what part of Dobberman yeah. did best in this, is that he so... The, this could have been formulaic. Yes. Like, he wrote it, and I think this was intentionally done on his part. He wrote it so you were expecting to have those common horror beats. Yes. And then he just totally circumvented trope, which is what we die for directors to do all the time. So there's the one scene, Vera Farmiga's looking at a map right in the front seat. They're stopped in front of a fucking cemetery. Mm-hmm. Vera Farmiga's looking at a map. We see the camera zoom in from the outside of the car because her map has taken up her entire windows view. We expect when the map comes down to see all these dead people or something scary, and there's nothing there. But you get the whisper from the back yeah. seat through the rear view mirror then you get a different kind of formulaic scare because it, it was a little it's, formulaic, it is horrible, but, but yeah, yeah it, it, you get something different later and he just keeps you guessing throughout the Loved movie it. with that all day but i think this scene's important to start off with because that is the governing principle annabelle is a con is not a is the conduit for other spirits and basically they're saying like in a time travel movie or like in paul you know the, the kill bills where tarantino's saying all right don't be in suspense. This is going to happen later in the movie. Right. Basically, Annabelle's going to wake up all these other crazy spirits, and we're going to have fun with this. It's allowed to, yeah. I, I totally agree. I had no problem with that, and I had no problem with being explained that this is where we're going with this. Why not set the stage in a horror movie? So what's a fun way to have this running amok by Annabelle? Well, we have the scary room of death, and we established that scary room of haunted everything, which is, the number one, that is such a dumb thing to put them all in one room. <laughs> why, in the, have a, why have a window? 
I don't understand that. Why have a window? Why have it all on one set of keys? You can unlock. <laughs> like, why have five locks if you're going to have all the keys to all five locks on, one, on ring. one ring that is not in a locked anything? So that all the little crazy demons in right. that room can, for whoever comes over, if you ever have a guest in the home, they can mind meld and allow... You know, that person. I love that. I love that little, to get us into the room, I love that little trick. But at the same time, it's so freaking stupid. Whatever. (laughs) It turns out to be fun. But bottom line, you have this scenario where mama and daddy, spiritual warrior, out on vacation. Now you have the community realizing who they are. Mm -hmm. So the daughter's a bit of an outcast. The daughter made fun of at school. The daughter needs friends. The daughter's seeing dead people. The daughter is getting babysat by a wonderful girl. Mm Mm-hmm. Who wants to have very a sh- pure of heart, very very innocent girl who actually cares about Judy, doesn't really have any maleficent tendencies. Just a malevolent good kid, tendencies. right? Just I think a I good just said kid. maleficent, the Disney bad guy. I meant she, malevolent. Well, she did have maleficent <laughs> uh, tendencies, <laughs> which to, also wasn't the word. To by mispronounce the, way. <laughs> the word one more time. No, but uh, who has this mischievous friend? Right. Of course. And it's, that, it's a and yin and yang, yeah, and that's and, the whole point of it. You know, they're away. You got the babysitting scenario, and I didn't love the the. The intro with the Rios girl, but we're going to get into that now as we do our best and worst scenes kind of in chronological order from there. Mike, you want to start us off? So we have, I'll start with the worst because I think it's the easiest place to start. We have the introduction of Mary Mary Ellen, her best friend, Daniela. Daniela essentially blackmails Mary Ellen to allow her to come over to the Warren's house that night, knowing Mary Ellen is babysitting Judy Warren. Daniela basically says, I will tell your crush you like him, who's this Bob which character, does. which she does anyway, <laughs> if you don't let me come over. It's fine. Mary Ellen invites Daniela over. Daniela takes it upon herself to get alone in the Warren's house by, one, giving Judy a birthday present of roller skates. Yes. Nice gesture. Manipulative gesture, but nice gesture. Two, why don't you, Mary Ellen, and Judy, in her new skates, go around the block, and I will watch the birthday cake you're making. Why Mary Ellen agrees to this is beyond me. All that being said, a block in Monroe, Connecticut is a long block. That is true. So it's even smarter on Daniela's part. Why Mary Ellen agrees to this is beyond me. The roads we have are long and dark (laughs) and deep into the woods. So Mary Ellen says, fine, please don't leave the kitchen. Up to this point, Daniela has done nothing but talk and yes. con her way into getting into the Warren's house, explicitly telling Judy upon meeting her, hey, where's your mom and dad's weird shit? Mary Ellen <laughs> is an idiot yes. for doing this. So Correct. not only does Daniela manipulate this situation to get them out of the house, of course she leaves the kitchen, she immediately finds the keys. We have that little play in with the Jesus picture on Mr. Warren's desk. I, I That was kind of cute. I liked it. Yeah. I liked that much. Gets the keys to this big bad room that, that says, do not open, warning, 18 locks on it, blah, blah, blah. She, of course, opens them all. We find out the motivation for Daniela to go into all this creepy, haunted, Warren shit is because she lost her father. Yep. We come to find out it was due to a car crash later on in the movie that Daniela was actually the driver of, but that's not important right now. She lost her father. So in this character's mind, I need to get into this room of death because my father, who I blame myself for killing, we don't know that, but nonetheless, who I blame myself for killing... I need to see him again, and the only way I can think of that happening is if I surround myself with haunted ghost shit, maybe I'll get another glimpse of him. 
there's like 50 people right now screaming at us <laughs> to scream at her and say, go to church. Right. Go to church, woman. What are you doing? What are you going into the either evil what room of death for? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's not, it's not good logic. <laughs> it is flawed decision making and critical thinking. If there. I go near this haunted doll, yeah. can I get my dead grandmother's cookie recipe? <laughs> Well, it was, it was interesting once she's in there, she, she's like, if there's any presence in here, you know, let yourself be known. And then Annabelle falls on the glass eventually, which right. I really liked. Yes. And then she's like, of course, drawn to that, mm-hmm. you know. So once she's in the room, I'm okay, but why does she go in the room? Uh, uh, total cosine, everything. Like, yeah. Well, she's in there. I think Dobberman handled it great. She's touching fucking everything, <laughs> which comes into play later in the movie. And it all comes into life. Yeah. Everything she touches. I loved it. Loved, loved all it. that. Loved that everything had a payoff. There was a setup and a payoff to everything. But yes. don't go in the room in the first place. But okay, it's a horror movie. She has to get in the room. That's fine. I'm okay with it. What do you got, Mike? So they give us the reasons eventually why she went into the room that's fine in terms of the, the heavy backstory. And they, they do connect that fairly well. They do. As, also, because that's why the, the Rio's little boy is a dick mm-hmm. to the, the, the Turns daughter Turns out to Judy. be Daniela's younger brother. Yeah, and that, that fits, even though that kid is a horrific actor. Sorry. He had one line. He has two <laughs> lines, and they're both equally horrific. Okay. But you're not fine. All right, he's, he's young. And we also have... All of this building to some of the best scares we've seen in a while. That that motivation leads up to probably the best scare of the movie, you would say? The dad scene is just incredible. Uh, when I she gets locked into that room again. can't take James Wan's yeah. casting these middle-aged men to pop out of nowhere in these movies. Mike, I loved it when he just walked through the window because I'm like, uh oh. Because yeah. that kind of started, th- not started things. No, that, but, I, I agree. Well, we had the priest before, but he was the good ghost. Right. He'll become a good ghost later on. We were wondering if the dad might be the good ghost because they kind of had a chat about that beforehand. I think it was beforehand. I don't know if it was beforehand, but it does come into play. There must, If there's good people, there must be good ghosts. That kind of turns into this mantra that plays out later in the movie. So I typically hate characters that are just curious for their own sake so i'm anxiety about it and you know daniela pissed me off up to that moment but once we got that dad's like my favorite setup was the piano part we and we realized that that was what she always did with her dad and then to see that look on her face when that played up where the dad's also playing the piano with me again oh my god i'm feeling emotional and then my house Uh, basically uh. Your uh, fault. Instead of my house, it was your fault uh, or whatever. Oh, my God. Incredible. One of the best scares of the last couple of years. But that doesn't happen right away. That actually is after a couple other scares. I mean, going down the Daniela through line, that's that's one of the next things chronologically yeah. that happens. But we don't go right into meeting these demons. We do get, and this is where the creepiness factor comes in, we get set the stage. That low tone, I guess it's a score, but that low tone kind of permeates throughout the entire movie. And you're just waiting for some kind of jump scare for a good 40 minutes. Minutes, I would say, and it just never comes. I think it's less than forty minutes. Maybe it 40 felt minutes, like that. Yeah, yeah, it felt a little longer, but uh, I, I'm, I'm with you there. There's a lot of slow playing the whole babysitting, birthday cake making, whatever. And even when we meet the demon, yeah. it's slow play because the first demon I think we see is the bride. Well, here's yeah, here's why I like it a lot because in the last Annabelle movie, we get Annabelle's process you know annabelle haunts you this way and we see those steps one through ten in annabelle creation just like we saw them done less well in the previous movie right Mm -hmm. in this movie 
all of Annabelle's hauntings are super accelerated in a few really good scenes. Yeah. And basically, this movie is more about the, the ancillary fact that demons. She's the conduit yeah. again, so it frees up all of these other new monsters to haunt these characters Agreed. in new ways. Agree, it's wise. It's very wise storyboarding and screentelling. Uh, Pixar would be proud for sure. Yeah. But what I did appreciate, aside from setting up the major scare with the Daniela going in the room, is that the Easter eggs. I guess they're self-contained Easter eggs because they don't really reference past movies, but they reference what's going to come. The foreboding, the foreshadowing. Yes, I guess is another way to say it. Who among us, when Daniela is going through the room of death for the first time, didn't notice the feely mealy box? Who oh, among us didn't it. notice that that giant wedding dress that I think even has a still shot put oh. into it? All this stuff comes into play, and we know it's going to come into play because it's featured so prominently. And the first demon we meet is that bride, and that's when Judy's upstairs by herself. She's hearing all these weird things going on. This is after Danielle's been in the room for the first time, has yet has not yet encountered her father, but thinks she's her father's somewhere in there. Judy is by herself upstairs in the room having followed voices, I think, and she sees this bride in this wedding dress going around the outside of the house. Yeah. Very walking, nun-like, yeah. Coming back into the house through the mirror, basically. Walking, 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 going to the outside of the door. Stopping, literally, without having entered the house at all throughout human means, having done so as a spirit. Stopping across the hall from her and then chasing her down with a knife. And then the courage on that little girl yeah. in that scene is heroic. It is, you know, something for people of faith. I thought we were going there, faith. too. Yeah, for people of faith, you know, that's a powerful scene. Yeah. Like she's a spiritual warrior in that scene because what should she do? She starts praying. And Holding up the cross. And the thing yep. goes poof, essentially, from there. And I thought that's where we were going to go. And we get hints of that, even when we're talking about the wolf later in the I thought we were going to be like... None of this is real. The bride's clearly not there. The wolf later in the scenes that Bob hits with his guitar clearly isn't there. And I thought Judy was going to be the one to kind of spur that on, and it never really it got It does there. lead to the fact that in most of these movies, they need to barf in your mouth. It's just, they need to get, they need to get close enough to puke in your mouth. Right. And the, I, I hate to be the kid that says the darndest things here, but that was The Nun, that was Annabelle Creation. Yes, agree. And that becomes this movie, so... Good point. That's all they need to do. They are not fully animate objects. They can't control everything. They can make pulls and tugs on various real items in rooms, but basically they're corporeal beings. Mm-hmm. Or is it non-corporeal beings? Anyway, they have to get close <laughs> enough to puke in your mouth. It's a good. That's a good theory to go throughout horror movies, like in general. That don't is. Let, don't let them puke in your mouth. Don't yeah. let them puke in your mouth. Just go. You know, do one of those yeah, little yeah. Zip, zip your mouth close. and then lock your mouth shut. I mean, talk like this, you'll be okay. So I would say the dad scare that yeah. we alluded to kind of kicks off. We're in full demon territory now. All right, so which of these monsters did you like? Which did you not like? I hated the werewolf, I will say. Hated it. Thought it looked not... It, it's the most CGI'd, yeah. but it's painfully CGI. And it's painfully just stupid, and it doesn't... It doesn't fit the lore. Like, you have, a bride, you have a bride that gets stabbed that's wearing a bloody wedding dress. You have a guy that's got coins for eyes because that's the toll, the fairy man. It's all these lore. And then you then you have the werewolf. Oh. It's the werewolf. Yeah, it's the werewolf. Who will get a chicken if you let a chicken out. <laughs> but he who really can't fight you if you have a guitar. If you have a guitar. And I hated that little boy that yeah. came over to play the guitar for her after two just awkwardly pleasant conversations. Yeah. 
you're going to be a 1940s male protagonist. Well, he still has hormones, you slash know. Slash stalker and say, we've had two pleasant conversations. Let me sing to you from <laughs> the ground because I know you're babysitting. What? I'll be there for... Yeah, it did bring back memories of uh, what is he doing? movies What past. is wrong with him? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, not wise. It works. And yet it works, <laughs> and it works against the werewolf, and it works... Give me a break. Yeah, so, again, not a perfect movie. Not Everything doesn't have, you know, a, a great payoff, but there is a payoff to everything, which I did appreciate in some fame or fashion. And we love Coin Man or Boat Man. The or Fairy Man. Fairy Man. Yeah, you have to put eyes over the, the dead ones. They also did a nice job of tying in the Warrens' work mm-hmm. into all of this lore. Loved it. They Loved go it. through the files that the Warrens have, so we're introduced early to the werewolf, we're introduced early to the fairy man, and these, of course, are the demons that we just happened to encounter. Now, I understand why they did the file room after the Room of Horrors, but I think it would have been more plausible to do the file room and then say, oh, there's a room of conduits in the house. And then the girl's like, all right, let me go into that room. That would have made more sense progressively, in my opinion. I don't disagree for Judy and Mary Ellen, but Daniela had her own... It was hidden, and it, it was stupid, though, we yeah, agreed. Yeah, it was stupid. So, like, at least if she thought she had some way to contact the dead in the other room... I see. Okay, yeah. You know? Yeah, that would make sense. And then she knew that. Right, give her... <laughs> as opposed... Cause I'll tell you what my thinking was. At first, I thought Daniela's father must have been a murderer or something. I and th- she just was a, had a bleeding heart and yeah. wanted to contact her dad. I thought, I thought it was a bad guy. Or something. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I was like, oh, well, this totally makes sense. If But no, I just he was just a victim of a car crash. Why are you putting on haunted jewelry? Oh, to try by to the way, him? I will not blink. <laughs> and I will tell you at the end of the movie that it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Yeah, we're going back to Goodwill Hunting here. What the, what the hell? But Boatman's great. We said the bride was great. I thought there were some missed opportunities with Monkey and the board game. I just wanted more of those characters. I would. Say. I liked the board game. I liked it too because but you it's were, for everyone one scare. was. But everyone was waiting for that to be a big part of the movie. Yeah, and that was Doberman basically saying, hey, "F you." <laughs> more with the monkey though, because the monkey only got like a half scare where yeah. we saw it in the TV. I, I liked the stuff that with the TV, TV scared too. the shit out yeah, of me. Yeah, that TV was scary. When you, you so there's a haunted TV that Danielle is basically looking a couple seconds into yeah. her future. And she's mimicking everything the TV does. The TV does it first, and then she ends up doing it. And then we see the TV flips to her being all bloody and bloody-faced. Oh, my God. I was scared. I did not love the samurai stuff. Like, what? The samurai just made... Was he a good ghost? Was that the point of him? I, I don't get the samurai ghost. I think the samurai armor massacred families. That's, that's what I guess. That's the message I got. And but People wore it while they massacred families, right? So then why didn't he attack Mary Ellen? I wanted... Uh, Rio's daughter to be in the samurai stuff you were close possessed (laughs) you were close (laughs) like that would have fit it still would have been goofy but no it didn't work so we'll talk about the finale here the big they have to get Annabelle back into this basically Pope mobile encased glass that's coming from a church have to get her back into a chair which is encased in glass in the room of death so how do they do it Michael they grab her and then they take her and they put her in the chair (laughs) close the glass that was in the room of death yeah that's it. Like, there's nothing really that they have to do that. That it's hard because they got to get all through all the, you know, the tomfoolery of these ghosts. <laughs> tomfoolery. Yes. And one of them, one of the ghosts, gets close enough to puke in the other one's mouth. And turns her into a demon. <laughs> turns her into a demon, which just brilliantly is exercised by the, and I love this, by the uh, projector. 
of the exorcism. Yes, I like that. That was I clever. I really thought that was clever. Very clever. So Daniela ends up coming back. The, the finale of this is basically Dan Annabelle has hidden herself by the ferryman, which is deep inside this closet. As you know, she can distort time and alter reality. So the closet actually turns out being like a plank, a walk off a yeah. bridge, basically, where, where Mary Ellen has to go in, grab Annabelle from what is herself. It's a version of herself in a coffin because the ferryman had come to take her soul and she ends up encountering her dead self and herself screams at her. Uh, Mary Ellen takes Annabelle, throws her to Judy. Mm -hmm. who's on the outside praying, hoping for Mary Ellen's return. Judy takes Annabelle, and at that point we're encountered by Daniela, who has returned to the scene in the bloody bride's gown now, yes. having the bloody bride demon thrown up in her mouth earlier. So Daniela's screwed. She's gone. She's a demon. She doesn't want them to stop. She wants to stop them from returning Annabelle, but... Judy turns on a projector, which has her father exercising a demon. Which, which was set up earlier, which is in the yes. article. Beautifully done. So, yes, we're returning Annabelle now. It's Mary Ellen and Judy taking Annabelle, putting her back in her spot, except now, basically, Satan has encountered them. Well, that's the... Is that the Annabelle demon? The demon that's actually been using Annabelle for the last couple of movies? I think that was the what demon. Are, I, could have, I mean, I would have liked a little explanation. We have explanations about every other demon in this movie. I, th I think that is the specific demon that puked in mouths in the other movies. I don't remember okay. exactly. I, I'm, I'm willing to sure. buy it. I just would have liked someone I'm to tell me. pretty sure. Yeah. Somebody tell us. So... Judy and Mary Ellen can't close the glass, can't close the glass, can't close the glass for no explanation, other than Annabelle doesn't want them to. And, and then they close the glass. And then Daniela comes in, again, no explanation why she's totally fine and willing to join her friends again, and is able to help them close the glass. Again, no explanation why Daniela made the difference. The only good thing is that they do it together fine. It's just so flimsy. Right. Yes. It's so flimsy. Yeah. And that, to me, was like... That's a man trying to write a feministic hero horror story right. that doesn't really have a pay. Like it doesn't. It's not grounded in anything. Yeah, it's not grounded in anything. It's still saying though. All right, they're strong enough, and they're they're willing. Good I mean, that, if yeah. you make if you make the rules similar to it, where he's just playing on your fears, mm -hmm. and and it, they're not puking in mouths, but <laughs> that we know of. Bottom line is, it's similar to it. Right, where it's just all phantoms, it's all, you know, smoke and mirrors, mm -hmm. literally and figuratively right. sometimes, that these ghosts that can't really connect with real people enough to physically dominate them, right? Right. They have to play all these games, these haunted games. It's mind games. It's mind games. It's the Undertaker. So, WWE. So really it's about the psychology. like this could work really well as a novel because it's about the psychological journey as much as anything else. Yeah, good point. And at least in this movie we get psychological arcs for these characters. Like, they're going somewhere, each one of them. And one less than the others, two. I think the daughter and then actually Daniela character have the better arcs than, you know, the the, the blonde who's the blonde white girl that needs to be at the center of Mary every Ellen. one of these movies. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, she's got something, too, because she's having to stand up and be the paternal figure. Yeah, the good definitely outweighs the bad. These are well-rounded enough characters, especially for a low-budget horror movie or a mid-budget horror movie, however you want to classify it. So uh, I, I think we're both saying it's worth your time, so let's give it a grade. I have it as a B85. I think this fits with a lot of my B85s. I've had Annabelle Creation, I think, was a B85 as well. And I, I think this is on the level of that for me. It's got some real flaws. It does. Yeah. You know, I got a problem with the intro and the finale, but I'm having fun along the way. And I think that's the main thing. And I, and I, I think it works much better as a story than The Nun did. Oh, and maybe I'm totally agree. Maybe I'm comparing it too much to the nun, and I'm overrating it slightly. But 
I, I think it fits with my other grades. B eighty five. Yeah, I'm more. I'm. I'm. Well, I mean, the curve comes into play here. I'm like a B minus, probably eighty one, eighty two. But I'm the same. The same reasoning as you have there. I wonder how it will hold up on rewatch. Yeah. I wonder if the plot holes become more glaring and become more issue driven. But on first watch, you know, that's why we do movie event pods in general too, and why we want to distinguish them because they're not supposed to be looked at with an Oscars lens. They're just supposed to be. Did you have fun, fun over the past one hundred minutes? Did you get your money's worth? For 100 minutes. To me, this is a worthy sequel yeah, of agreed. this universe, and it is a fun trip to the movies. It's a movie event. It's a movie worth seeing in theaters because you yeah. get all those great scares. And being on the lookout for that dad scare. My God, <laughs> I almost pooped my pants. I did poop my pants. <laughs> no, I, I drove home in fog, then I pooped my pants. <laughs> Guys, want to know your thoughts about Annabelle Comes Home and anything else we've done either in the Conjuring universe or anything else we do here at the MMO Empire. You can reach out to us, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on the Twitter machine, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We're available everywhere. You hear podcasts, tune in Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc. Uh, just type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar. You'll see our smiling faces waving back at you. Mike, words of wisdom to end on here and what's coming next. Hey, assholes. <laughs> Not you people, but people in the movie. Girls in the movie. Don't open the glass when the glass says positively, do not open. Seems like wise words. Don't open it. Yeah. What are you doing? Probably decent words of wisdom. But I'm glad you did because I had a fun time. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And what do we got coming up next? We got Kill Bill Volume 2. We got uh, Death Proof. We got uh, Spider-Man Homecoming Midsummer. We got MMOWs. We got New Format coming for some of these things. God willing. We'll figure it out. And uh, we got a website, by the way. Yeah. Again, that. God willing. <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, I know I said it's a seven on IMDb. In my mind, I'm one of those people that like a seven doesn't mean a seventy. Just want to clear that up and throw that at the end. Right. Right. Don't yell at me. You're the AP teacher. Uh, you're the honors teacher. Whatever. And I'm the just regular general population. I'm not a, I'm not a regular mom. I'm a teacher. cool mom. Great. Uh, I tried to give you just a one compliment. You made it two real quick. Good job. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We'll see you soon. See ya.